Karen, would you like to read for us our Hebrews lesson? Thank you. Um, the third reading is Hebrews twelve eighteen to 29. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on, the, on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of, that, of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we, re- we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving God, we give thanks to you because you are that God who doesn't abandon us. Even when, Lord, we do not see you, you are still there. Lord Jesus, we know that you passed through the furnace of trial. You were crucified for our sake. You went through that suffering. And Lord God, you can sympathize with us. You are not a Savior who is removed from human suffering because you came and you took part in it. And you were crucified. And Lord, thank you because that nail-pierced hand is that hand that cares, is that hand that cradles us, is that hand that holds us firm even when we are weak. And so, Lord, we pray that you will speak to us today and grant us understanding through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, someone bought a gift to... His wife, Christmas gift. This is a time of gift buying, isn't it? And it was, you know, because of all those lightings and Christmas things, so he bought something that at night illuminates and brings out various colors. And so on this night, they brought it out and placed it very well. And as it was getting dark, they were waiting for the lights to come on. They were switching everything. But nothing was happening. And they waited and waited and waited. It was getting late. And they were so frustrated. They said, what is really happening here? They said, it will glow at night. 
And so they went back to the packaging and out fell this leaflet and they began to read through the leaflet. And the leaflet says, if you want me to glow through the night, put me out in the sun through the day. (laughs) Apparently they didn't read that instruction. Now our story today has something that's really very disturbing when I read this story sometimes, I wonder, why did God do this? David was going to bring back the ark of God into Jerusalem. And he went and carried it with his uh, companions. And they had this big celebration. And they made a new cart, lovely cart. Everything was brand new just to give God glory. So they did everything from their perspective they should do because God deserves the best. And so they put this cart on this, um, they put the ark, sorry, on the cart and the horse was drawing it. But anyway, it wasn't the days when you have such motorway M25 without any bump. It was the day of the cobble road when, you know, you're on the horse and then everything is, you know, dancing to one side or the other. And then, at the point, the ark was going to tumble out of the cart. And this man, Oza, reached out to hold it. And he was doing the right thing. But suddenly, God struck him and he died. And I, if I were David, yes, David was right. He was angry. He said, God, what's going on here? This man was trying to hold the ark from falling and spilling its contents. He was doing the right thing. But the man died. But that brought to mind the instruction. Time will fail me now to go back to it. But if you go to Numbers and to Deuteronomy, you will read all about the ark and how to move the ark. God had an instruction. No one would touch the ark. The ark had poles, okay, and rings through which the poles would go. And the Levites were the only ones who were going to carry the ark. And so God had a clear instruction, thinking about reading the instruction. And apparently they were so excited, too excited to serve God. And the motives were right. But the method was wrong. And God, looking at it, it's like, what do you really want, God? I'm trying to serve you. But why would this thing be happening to me? That's how we are sometimes in perplexity, because we want to do right. Like Paul says, I want to do right, but the wrong is always coming out. I open my mouth to say, God bless you, but what is coming out is God blast you. (laughs) You know, And you're trying to rein in things. But they are coming out because there's something inside that's making you do what you're doing. It needs for us to go back to the script, the scripture. We need to go back to depend on God. So today we are talking about the audacious worshiper. Remember last time we talked about audacious Christianity? We're going gradually to begin to unpick and unpack this big, you know, um, topic or theme of audacity. Now, beyond that particular incident, you see, what brought fear and trepidation to David, in fact, David just quickly parked the cart in the nearest location he could find 
and they abandoned it there and went home. The home of Obededom. Now, the next month, they heard that God was blessing this man in whose house the ark had found a resting place. Wow. And David, I guess, became jealous. He said, no, we have to go and take back the ark from his house. Now, do you understand that the Bible says your body, you and I, the ark of God is no longer physical. It lives in us. He says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we are God carriers. Wherever you're going, you're carrying God with you. And how should you carry God? With dignity. God wants you to carry him about, to show him off to the world, but to know that you are just a vessel. You are not a thing. God in you, the hope of glory. That's the one who is all in all. And so David went back and said, no, we have to go and take back the ark. But when God blesses you, no one can take away the blessing of God. God blessed Obedidam. They went and took the ark and took it back and did the right thing this time. But the next phase of this story was what David was doing. David was jumping and celebrating and dancing and coming into Jerusalem. There were all the musical instruments they were playing. And it was really a sight. Now, David's wife at home was observing from the window and saw David. He said, is that not the king? Is that not David? What's he doing? Can you imagine? Before this young girl, he's jumping about. And his clothes are just everywhere. And she was so angry. But David didn't care about anything. Remember some of the words we put up the other day about audacity? It's really... One of you say, I don't care. I don't care about what the devil thinks. I'm a Christian. I love God. I don't care what people about me say. That was David's own disposition. I will serve God. He has given me life today. I will shout to the Lord. No wonder I say, shout unto the Lord, all ye earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praises. It doesn't matter who is observing. David didn't care. David danced onto, into Jerusalem with the ark of God. And when everything was done, he came and he sacrificed. And then he gave gifts to people. And when he finished that and went home, now he got the rap <laughs> from his wife. He said, can you imagine you dancing the way you were? Are you mad? Look at all those young girls about the place. You know, some people are so concerned about their dignity when it comes to worshiping God. And so when you say, lift up holy hands, their hands are like this, okay? <laughs> Never mind how you worship God. It is your own style. But I'm just using this as illustration. You know, they say that it's this one that you lift this way. And then there's the half mast this way. And then there's the one that goes this way, Okay. And then there's the one that goes, woo, all over, all over. But David went, woo, all over. He was worshiping God without any restriction, without any reservation. And as he was doing it, you know, the woman was angry, criticizing and everything. And God was not happy. Why? Because he was the one David was doing this for. 
David was worshipping God. He wasn't doing it because he wanted to be seen. That's far from it. When people worship God and they want to be seen, well, they are getting it wrong. David was doing it. He was all sold out to God. He was just rejoicing in God's presence. And this woman was not happy. Well, God was not happy because of what she did. And of course, the repercussion. You see, that's the thing about the Old Testament. That's why when we read Hebrews, he said, We have come to God, no more to that mountain that was quaking and firing and everything. And even Moses was afraid. He said, Look, I am really afraid. But no, we have come to God, the Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, where there is innumerable company of angels. Here we are today. There are angels of God here. Hallelujah. Do you know that? Well, if you don't know, there are testimonies in one of the magazines about those of us here in the church who have seen angels in this church. And I agree, there are angels everywhere. The angels of God are there. And so the presence of God is so much wherever the people of God are worshipping. Because when we are worshipping, it's like the Old Testament incense going up to heaven. It's our worship this time. In the New Testament, we carry the presence of God. And we know we need to carry it with dignity. Now, that dignity is not the kind where we hold back. Okay? The dignity we're talking about is really realizing it is God you're worshiping. It's the dignity that knows I don't have to do anything that will bring down the name of God. That's not what David was doing. David was free. He was a free-spirited human being. He was worshipping God, not minding. I don't know whether you've been to some places, if you're one of those who like lifting up your hands in worship, but you've been to a church where everybody's so quiet. And you're just wondering, what will they think of me here if, if I do this now? You know, the, the, the environment is so restricting. But let me tell you, Wherever you are, wherever you go, you want to worship God? Worship God in spirit and in truth. That's what Jesus was saying. In the New Testament, Jesus met that woman at the well. That's John chapter 4. Where Jesus was talking to her about the water of life. He began by engaging her about drinking water from the well. But Jesus had a different you know, message he was trying to bring. But he was moving from the unknown to the unknown. He said, give me water to drink. And this woman said, let me give you water. You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. And we have nothing in common. And you come here in the middle of nowhere to ask me for water. Please find your way. And Jesus said, actually, if you knew who was asking you for this, you would rather ask me for the water of life. And as Jesus was expounding this message to her, her eyes lit up. He said, really? Give me this water that I don't even have to come back here to fetch anymore. She still didn't get it, but she knew there was something more than what she was going to fetch that day. And Jesus kept talking to her until the whole scale in her eyes fell off. And she ran into her village to call the people, come and see the man who has told me everything about my life. Told me everything about my life. 
tells us this woman had a history. Tells us David himself in the Old Testament had history. You remember when he plotted for someone to die so that he would take the wife. David had history. Every one of us here, we should not be held back then by our histories. The audacious worshiper is the person who is not held back by all those things the devil speaks to them and says, look, you're worthless, you're nothing, you can't achieve anything. I know of a, a minister many years back, you know, he was sharing a testimony. He said when he was a schoolboy, his teacher would always call him aside and say, you're a worthless boy. You won't ever achieve anything in life. And this man grew up with that thought, I'm worthless. But on this day, in this event, the Lord touched him. That was over 50 years. The Lord touched him and broke that particular bondage and limitation over his life. Because he came to realize that that teacher's voice was not God's word. That that person's, you know, um, 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 judgment of him was not God's judgment. That God doesn't judge us according to who we think we are or the world thinks we are. That you are more than what you think you are. That you should not be held back by those things. The audacious worshiper is also one who sacrifices. Because sometimes we are called to go beyond what we can because God gives us the ability and so, David made sacrifices. This woman at the well, she left her buckets and everything and ran back to the village. For me, that was sacrifice. She went back there to tell them of Jesus. The audacious worshiper is generous. David went back giving gifts to people. Even after giving to God, he was giving to people. And when we worship, that's why he says in James... Why do you say to someone who is in need, go home, God bless you, enjoy your life, it is well with you. When you know what the need is, that you can actually solve that problem. He says, solve the problem. Don't just tell them, go in peace, the Lord bless you. Because why? The audacious worshiper, audacious church, is a generous church. We're generous people. But also the fear of God, that's important. David suddenly realize that, look, I'm not dealing with a human being. I'm dealing with God. He became afraid. Do you know in the church, sometimes we lack the fear of God. Sometimes the way we do things, the way we address people, we lack the fear of God. Sometimes the way we talk about God, we actually lack the fear of God. But that event made David to come back and say, oh, this is really God we're talking about here, that this God, as we see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, if you want to put that up for us, please. Hebrews chapter 12, there's something, if you, if you look from verse 28, he was talking about the God whom we have come to. He says, this God is a consuming fire. So that when we are dealing with this God, and we say it's God in the New Testament, he's no more dealing with people as he did in the Old Testament. Let's be careful. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we even have something better than those in the New Old Testament. He said, let us 
be thankful, and so worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe for what? Shall we read that verse 29 together? One, two, three, go. For our God is a consuming fire. That's not in the Old Testament, friends. That's not in the Old Testament. This is in the New Testament. Because when the Apostle Paul was talking about communion in Corinthians, to the Corinthian church, he says, some of you, you do this and you don't know the outcome of how you're living is what is creating some of the issues you're having. So what Jesus say in the New Testament, let's not take God for granted. Even though he's a merciful father, he's a loving God. But let's know also that God deserves reverence and worship from the heart. Audacious worship is worship that is all out there, doesn't care, is sacrificial, is generous, has a fear of God, loves God passionately, and is ready to forsake anything else for the glory of God. Are you an audacious worshiper? Can God count on us to step up? Because sometimes we hold ourselves back and God is saying, come on, step up, step up, take that next step, move up. Let us pray. Loving God, we praise you and we worship you today. We honor you, Father, because you have called us to be audacious Christians who are not held back, Lord, by what the world thinks about us. Lord, maybe someone here is bearing the burden of something set to them. Lord, today I pray that that thing will have no hold over their lives anymore. Lord, we pray that you will break every chain and break, Lord God Almighty, every restriction in such lives. Lord, give us the boldness because that's what we need to be audacious in our worship, in our giving. That, Lord, we will not hold back like Ananias and Sapphira did. But that, Lord, we will be able to give everything and release that which you have given to us. Almighty God, as we look towards the end of this month and come to the end, to the, to the end of the year, the last month of the year, December, we pray that, Father, you who led us from the beginning of the year to this time will continue to lead us until the end of the year. Almighty God, we pray for the elections that are coming. Lord Almighty, you know who you want to be, the next Prime Minister. Whether it's Lord Almighty, Boris Johnson, Jeremy Corbyn, whether Lord Almighty, anyone else. Father, Lord Almighty, we want the person who will do your will. The person who will bear the burden of this nation. These nations, actually. Lord, we pray for someone who will be passionate to help the poor and the needy. Someone, Lord Almighty, who will go the extra mile to bring comfort to all those who are in trouble. Almighty God, we pray for someone who will raise the economy of this nation because over these years, though, we have seen things go down. But at the same time, Lord, by your grace, you have indeed surprised us by holding up this nation. 
Lord, all the predictions of those who thought it would go pear-shaped, Lord, in different ways, you have, Lord Almighty, not allowed that to happen. And so we are grateful to you. Lord, as we pray for this election and for the government and for all those in authority, Lord, we do pray also for those who are in authority in the church, the moderator of the General Assembly, the moderators of synods, and Lord, ministers in the various local congregations. Lord, we pray that you will give every one of us a vision that will transform your church, that will lead us, Lord, to become audacious in reaching out to our communities. Lord, we pray the church will be the place of hope, the place, the Father, of kindness, the place where we can find help. Almighty God, we thank you for your church. And as we pray for the church in this country, we pray for the church in places where there is restriction. Lord, we have audacity to worship you here. But there are places where, where they mention the name of Jesus. They are actually in peril. They are actually, O oh God Almighty, liable to be sent to jail. Father, in such places like North Korea, like the Islamic nations, Lord, we pray you will give your children protection, that, Lord, they will be able to worship you without fear. We praise you and we worship you. We pray for the week ahead of us, Lord. Those who will go to work, children who will go to school, every one of us, Lord, we pray that every day will be an opportunity to experience you in a new dimension. Help us, Lord, to read the manual, the Word of God to guide us every day, and to help us to know how to worship you acceptably in truth and in spirit. Thank you for hearing our prayer, for we pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.